0: Hey everybody. It's Rich. Welcome or welcome back to the Access Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you'll find our complete Sunday experience with music as well as great content for kids and students. Visit accesschurch.com to keep up with everything going on around here at Access and subscribe to our email list. We'll send you helpful suggestions each week designed to help you make friends, grow in faith, and live with purpose. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. So we thought we'd kick off the new year by talking about one of the most important roles that any of us will ever have in life, and that is the opportunity to lead the next generation. And uh, this is not the first time we've done a series on parenting. In fact, we did a series a few years ago on parenting, and at the time, I was leading one of our community groups that I was just talking about earlier. Stephanie and I were leading a community group, and I thought it'd be a fun way to kick off community group that evening by just starting, you know, kind of a question to get everybody talking what is like the biggest parenting blunder that you've made? Like, what's been your biggest parenting mistake? And honestly, I can't even remember which story Stephanie and I shared that night because we have so many from which to choose. Um, most of ours involve leaving one of our children behind at some point. Um, we have four kids, so we've got spares. But um, we, we have, you know, we've done a few things over the years, but there were some funny stories shared that night. And um, my favorite had to come from my friend Kent. Now, if you know Kent, um, he's often here working in the parking lot, greeting people. It's a natural role for him at Access because he's basically the mayor of our neighborhood. Uh, Kent knows everybody in the neighborhood. He's friends with everybody in the neighborhood. He's always introducing people to one another in the neighborhood. And so you can imagine when Kent, as a first-time dad, was out in his front yard with his son, Jake, who had just started sitting up. So Jake's like six, seven months old and he can sit up on his own. And uh, Kent's out in the front yard with his son, Jake, and a friend comes, you know, rolling by in their car and they see Kent out in the front yard. So they stop to chat for a minute. So Kent is kind of leaning over, talking through the passenger window and he's got Jake on his hip. And it's a little bit of an awkward position, right? You know, you got a baby on your hip and you're kind of leaning through the window. Jake today, just so you know, he's fine. He's like 6'10". He's huge. Don't feel bad for Jake, all right? Just put that out there before we go any further in the story. But Jake's a big baby, and Ken's leaning over, and he's trying to talk through the passenger window, and it's awkward. And so he just decides he's going to set Jake down because this is the best thing about when babies start to sit up on their own, right? You can like set them in one place, and they can't crawl yet. It's like the perfect stage, for parenting. It never gets any better. If you've got a nine-month-old, they start to crawl. It's all downhill from there, right? But a six or seven-month-old, they can sit up on their own and they stay stationary. It's fantastic. So he sets Jake down and then he continues his conversation with his neighbor. And a few minutes later, Jake starts screaming and Kent looks down and he realizes that he had set Jake right on a red ant pile. Yeah. Now, the moms, I I just like immediately, right? Just something in you goes like this. And all the dads are like, (laughs) and the moms are like, that's not funny. And the dads are like, it's a little funny. Because there's something in all of us that just takes great satisfaction from knowing that we are not alone in this journey, right that as badly as we have messed up our kids and as much as they will have to talk about with their therapist someday, that someone else has perhaps messed their kids up equally, and so we take a lot of comfort from that because the reality is that parenting is hard it's a really difficult journey, and it's a wonderful thing it's a wonderful gift i've got. I'm I'm really passionate about what we're gonna talk about here today because I really believe that our opportunity to parent, our opportunity to grandparent, our opportunity to be aunts and uncles or just mentors to this next generation is an incredible privilege that God has given us. And it's in fact, one of the ways that we really echo our heavenly father. Like the fact that, that Jesus chose to use that phrase when he prayed, that he would say our heavenly father, that he's linking together the way that God feels toward us with the way that we feel toward our children, it's an incredible, powerful thing. But you know, the, the reason that parenting is hard is because a lot of times we didn't really see it done well, right? Because our parents were broken, fallible people. They were trying to figure out as they went. Now, a lot of you guys, you're a little younger than I am, so you've got it a little differently. You're, you were raised differently. A lot of you were child, children of the 90s, right? I'm gonna have some children of the 90s here in the room. Nobody? Children of the 90s? Come on, I know you guys. You're like, no, no, I'm younger than that. Children of the 90s. But that means your parents were hippies. So they're like all in touch with their feelings. And so when they were raising you, they cared about how you felt and your feelings, you know. Kent and I and Marino, you know, like our generation, we didn't have that. Our parents didn't care about our feelings. They didn't raise us. They just let us live. That was really their approach to things, you know, just like you you know, we would go outside, play till dark. I read just this week, preparing for this message, I read some crazy stuff, but there was a survey the University of Michigan did and it was parents of um, nine to 11 year olds. Now, when I was 11, I was in middle school. I was in, I think seventh grade, nine to 11 year olds. And this survey said that half of all parents of nine to 11 year olds would not allow their nine to 11 year old to get an item from the next aisle over in the grocery store. 50% would not allow their kid to go to the next aisle of the grocery store to get an item. And then there was another thing. This was in Connecticut, true story. A police officer in Connecticut saw two kids walking down the sidewalk and um, pulled over, get them in the back of the cruiser, found out where they lived, went to their house with them and arrested both parents for risk of injury to a minor. What was, what was it that they did? Well, they allowed their children, nine and seven, to walk down the street to Dunkin' Donuts without adult supervision. So this is like, this is this crazy, you know, like, I'm like adult supervision. I I didn't even know those words went together when I was a kid. We were literally just, my mom, you know, we talk about the thing like, oh, mom, I'll be home, you know, be home before, dark or be home for dinner. My mom didn't say like, be home by. She was like, the door will be locked. You aren't allowed back in the house. We drank. Somebody asked, they said, why did your generation drink water from the hose? Like, because the house was locked. We couldn't get inside to drink from water inside the house. That was a luxury unknown to my generation. So anyway... So parenting, right? It's hard. And we're all trying to figure it out. We're learning from their parents. We're learning from people. And none of us have ever quite got it right. But at the same time, we've got high hopes. We've got high hopes because we want our kids to grow up and to be responsible adults. We want our kids to grow up and to be contributing members of society. We want our kids to grow up and to make a Difference, to love people well, to relate well, to have healthy marriages. Our hope for our kids is that they would be better parents to their kids than we ever were to them, right? I know I'm speaking to you. I know that this resonates in our hearts because we have such high hopes for our kids. We don't want them to just survive. We don't want them to just reach adulthood. We don't want them to just move out of the house someday. We want them to thrive and we want God to do incredible things through our kids. We want our children to make a dent in the universe. We don't want them to just be here or have been here. We want the world to be different because they were here and the world to be a better place because they were here. And so uh, really, this is just one message today, six things that every kid needs. And um, these six things, by the way, it's not a list in the Bible. And these are observations that we have made Um, here at Access, but also our family of churches. Some of the content I'm gonna use today, uh, I give credit to Reggie Joyner for. Reggie was the original family ministry director at North Point. He developed some really great content. Um, I've talked with Reggie, got his permission to steal his content years ago, and he was super generous with this. So, some of this comes from Reggie, some of this comes from just sort of like other stuff over the years that we've kind of put together, but we've never shared this on a Sunday morning. And I thought, this is so great. This is good content, whether you're a parent or a grandparent, an aunt, uncle, a mentor, if you're anybody who cares about the next generation, then I think that this message is for you. And if you're somebody who follows Jesus, then this message is especially for you because we have something incredible and inspiring that we can point our children to. And we have a heavenly father that loves our kids, believe it or not, more than we could ever love our kids. And so as passionate as we are about this topic, God is even more passionate about this and he cares. He cares deeply about how we impact this next generation. And he has created them with just so much potential and we wanna maximize that potential. And honestly, um, there's, there's a few things that we do really well here at Access Church. And this is one of those things that we do really well. And I don't take any personal credit for that. There's an incredible team here that makes this possible and makes this happen. We have always been so blessed to have people on our team, both paid staff and volunteers who are passionate about your kids and really want to see your kids thrive. And along the way, we've taken some notes of some things that we've learned and these have turned into these six things. So I hope it's helpful for you. Now, the problem that we all have as parents, the challenge that we face is that parenting isn't our only job, right? I don't know if you remember when you bought your first house and after you signed your name like 60, 70, I don't know, thousand times, um, then they might've given you a little three ring binder. We got one, it was from our home inspector. And it was like, hey, here's, here's the things that we found, you know, that maybe need some attention with the house, right? But then there was this neat little tab section of the notebook and it was like January, February, March. and It was all of the home maintenance things that you need to do every month to keep your home. And Stephanie and I are reading through this and we're like, do we quit our jobs now? Like, is, is this our new job? We have to just pay attention to our home? And the reality is that different arenas of our life can feel like this, right? Like, if you want to be really great at one thing, this is supposed to be now your new full-time job. But we have a lot of things coming at us, right? If you have made some New Year's resolutions, you probably thought through some different areas of your life in which you would like to improve or make strides. And, and it looks like this. There's, there's faith, there's marriage, There's parenting, there's friendships, there's finances, there's fitness, chores, career. I mean, like these are just the things that are top of our mind. And you think all of these things are competing for my attention, my energy, and my time every week. I mean, I want my faith to be better. Some of you are here today because you're like, you know what, new year, we're gonna make this a priority. Thank you for being here. I think that's a fantastic decision. But then you're like, my marriage, I want my marriage to be better this year. Who wouldn't? I want my parent to be better, my friendships, my finances. And pretty soon you start to feel like, well, how do I make all this happen? How do I get better in all these areas? And the reality is parenting is just one of those areas, but it is perhaps uh, the most important way that you and I will make an impact in this life is the impact that we make on the next generation. Now, another challenge that's in front of us and the thing that makes it difficult is I feel like there's, there's basically two speeds of parenting. And the two speeds look like this. From zero to 10 years of age, time is like molasses, right? Every day lasts 100 years. It is hard and it is exhausting. Now, I love kids. Before we were married, I told Stephanie I wanted 10 kids. She thought I was joking. I was like, no, I seriously think I want a five-on-five basketball team. Like, I I want a ton of kids. I love kids, so we had our two, first two kids 15 months apart. If you can do math, that means that we, our oldest was six months old when we got pregnant with our second. You can get pregnant when you're nursing. So um, we're like, she comes to me, uh, and then maybe another year later, something like that. And she wants to initiate a conversation about number three. And I'm like, oh no, I'm done. <laughs> She's like, you promised. And I'm like, a long time ago. And I didn't have kids then. I am, I am so, I said, honey, I don't know how to describe it, except I go to bed every night so tired. Like this is the most exhausted I've ever been in my life. But women can be very persuasive and we have four children. So, um, and, uh, and we're super glad for all of them. Super, super, super glad. Um, but there's two speeds. And that first 10 years, and a lot of y'all are in that, that season. And I know it's hard. It's really hard. And it takes a while, but you're about to switch into the other speed. And that other speed, I'm telling you, is the speed of light. It is absolutely, when you're, there's something about like middle school and forward, all of a sudden, um, it just goes by so fast. And the reality is, and I'm not saying this to make you, but I do want you to pay attention to what we're talking about this morning because you're running out of time. And uh, <clears throat> should not have looked at you, Daniel. We're feeling this. We're dads, we're feeling this. Uh, we're we're not so worried about running out of time with our sons, but our daughters, you know, we like to have our daughters at home. Um, but we're running out of time. And it goes away really quickly. And you realize, wow, like I remember the last semester of my my oldest son's senior year in high school and these like inexplicable feelings of, grief that I had that all of a sudden this season was done and I didn't want it to be done yet because there were things that we hadn't gotten to do as a family or things that I hadn't gotten to teach him yet or experiences that we hadn't had yet. And I just, I I felt like I was grieving a loss because we'd run out of time so quickly. And I want you to know um, this is a season that as hard as it is, it goes by fast. And so I want you to maximize the opportunity that you have. And if you're in the room and you're older like me, Um, we need to maximize the time that we have too because there's, there's different seasons and they go by so quickly. Hopefully we know this by now, but I'm in a season right now where my kids are all grown, but I don't have grandkids yet. And that's a season that's only going to last so long. And I need to maximize that season with my kids because there's things that we can do now that we won't be able to do when grandkids come. And then when grandkids come, I want to be like the most amazing grandparent ever. And I want to maximize that season. So anyway, investing in this next generation, we want to maximize this because I really believe that God has designed you to be a great parent. Now, You may say, I don't know if that applies to me because I had a dysfunctional childhood or I had trauma or I had things that went on. I don't know that I'm designed to be a great parent. And I wanna tell you that you are designed to be a great parent, that God did not put you in this role by accident. And there is something in all of us that is an echo of Eden. God put us, he created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden. And he did this with intentionality. And he said, this is how humans are going to be. You're gonna have a mom and a dad and you're gonna have kids and you're gonna teach these kids and you're gonna raise the next generation. And he has designed us to be great parents. Now, sin entered the world and sin entered our household and sin's entered your household and sin gets in the way. Whether it's sin that has been committed to us or whether it's sin that we've committed to someone else, but we've allowed sin to get in the way and it messes up relationships. Every time sin shows up, relationships pay the price. And so I know that there is a challenge there. And you may say, oh, I don't know that I was designed to be a great parent, but God designed you to be a great parent. And we wanna help you be the parent that God designed you to be. In fact, we believe so strongly about this. We want you to know um, that God actually... There's no such thing in the Bible as a youth pastor or a children's pastor. God did not intend that the church would be who spiritually raised and nurtured the next generation. God's intention was that parents would raise and nurture the next generation. And in fact, if we go all the way back to when the, the nation of Israel was just a, basically a big family, and they were coming out of the nation of Egypt. And God spoke to Moses and to the people of Israel. And this is what he said. It's it's really fundamental for us as we think about parenting today. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, if you have a Jewish background, you know that this is called the Shema. It's probably the most important thing that's repeated in the Jewish faith tradition. And it is the simple truth that God is one. This is in a culture when every other civilization had multiple gods and God shows up to the nation of Israel and says, no, 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 there is only one God. And then he explains what the relationship is going to be like between God and his people. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. Now, this gets quoted from Jesus more often than we talk about it from Moses, I feel like. And that's because Jesus quoted Moses and Jesus repeated this a lot. This was a frequent part of Jesus' teaching. But this came originally from God speaking to Moses, speaking to the people of Israel to say, this is what your relationship with this one true God is going to be like. It's going to be centered on love. This is radical. I can't even put in into words just how different that was from every other religion in the world at the time that was based on performance, on works, on sacrifice, on weird rituals, and God said our relationship is going to be built on love. It's a relationship. It's a heart relationship. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul, and all of your strength, all of your being, all of your might, all of your ability. Love God with everything. That is at the heart of what it means to have a relationship with your heavenly father. And he says this, these commandments that I give you, they should be on your hearts. You're you're to instill them not in your child's mind, but in their hearts. This is something that you're gonna help them to feel. To know that God loves them and God has a plan for them. And he goes on to say this impress this upon your children. Impress these things, that's the them, impress these things on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. So, wherever you are, whether you're at home or you're in the van, or you're at soccer practice, or you're by the pool, or you're at the beach, wherever you are. This isn't a church thing. This isn't a synagogue thing. This isn't a temple thing. This is wherever you are, you should be impressing these things upon your children. And when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, this isn't just a Sunday morning thing. This is an all the time thing. This is everywhere, all the time. Impress these things upon your children. And so I want to give you six things that I think every kid needs. And we're going to move through these pretty quick. Um, I want you to know that this is not an exhaustive list. Like I said, it's not a list that's found in the Bible anywhere. This is kind of what we've put together but there might be things missing from this. And I would love to hear your feedback. Actually, if you're watching online, you can comment on the YouTube video or you guys can send me an email, but I would love to know maybe what you feel like is missing from this list. I know it's not an exhaustive list, but we do feel like these six things are really essential as we raise the next generation. And the first one is good soil, good soil. So I'm gonna use a little bit of a metaphor of the mighty oak tree and You know, many, many, many seeds fall from an oak tree and they never develop into a tree because they're missing one or more of these six elements. But a tree that becomes a mighty oak tree, which is what we hope for all of our kids, a tree that becomes a mighty oak tree experiences all six of these things. And the very first thing is good soil. And that's, you and me, that's mom and dad, that's the home, that's the environment that we create for our kids where they understand a sense of permanence and a sense of love and a sense of, you know, we have this sign above our, our kitchen nook and it says always, forever, no matter what. Um, if you've had that kid's book in your home, you know, it's such a great book to read to your kids, but it's this idea that our love, the, the, the relationships that we have in this home, they cannot be broken by what you do or don't do. It's always, forever, and no matter what. We have an opportunity to create a soil where these seeds can sprout and develop. But the question that a young child is asking is where do I come from? Where do I come from? And it's really important to share stories in your family of where you come from. Like give your kids a sense of identity, a sense of that, that being part of this family means something. I have a friend, um, Shannon sings here for uh, as a worship leader many times. Uh, Mike uh, created early in their family, the Von B-5. So their last name is Von Balsen, And so their license plate on their car is Von B-5 and everything's Von B-5. They have three kids and so it's Von B-5. And that just is sort of like their brand as a family. And I think what a great way to just say like, we have an identity and it's important and you're part of this family and it matters. There's something essential about this group of people that we're always going to be with you no matter what. It is a sense of permanence. That is, that is probably the most important thing that we can instill in these early years. Now, the next question that they begin to ask after asking, where do I come from? Is this question of like, where am I going? And this is as kids get a little bit older and they're starting to ask this question, like, where where am I going? What's possible for me in life? And the next thing that a tree needs, a healthy growing tree, is it needs blue skies. And um, I think that it is one of the great privileges that we have as a parent is to cast big vision for our kids. Our kids should know repeatedly, they should hear from us, that God can do anything with your life. Like there is no limit for what God could do in you and through you and all the ways that he could use you. I want you to cast big vision for your kids and at the same time to, make, to help them understand that they have a part to play in this, that they have a role to play in this and, and that what we're shooting for here is not what they're going to be, right? Don't, don't talk so much about the what, but who they're going to be. Um, My son, who is in Atlanta, and he moved to Atlanta because he wanted to be in the film industry. Um, He wanted to be a cinematographer. He wanted to make movies. And um, in fact, he kind of got a a nickname. He started off doing video for North Point. He's done a lot of stuff for North Point. And he got a nickname there because he wanted so badly to move into the film industry. That was like what he saw as the next step. But the more he spent time with men who were cinematographers in the film industry, um, he realized that like, most of these people, their home life was a wreck. And that to be on location with film project for months at a time uh, was just, honestly, it was a terrible way to be a dad and a terrible way to be a husband. And and he started to reflect on that and realized that the people that were the kinds of husbands and dads that he wanted to be, um, they were working in commercial film, which means doing TV commercials and all that kind of thing. And you're home every night. And so he shifted his career and he shifted his aspirations, not because of what he wanted to do, but who he wanted to become. And this is like the greatest hope for our kids that they would focus not on what they do, but who they are and and who God wants them to be and what he's gonna grow out of them. So as we're casting vision for our kids, I want us to cast vision around just what God could do through them. And at the same time, Um, help them understand that they have a role to play in this. In fact, they can narrow the field of possibilities through the choices they make and the actions that they take part in. Um, I would say to our kids all the time, like "This this is what God may do with you, right? Like anything here is what God may do with you. But you can make decisions in your life that will narrow the range of possibilities and will narrow the ways that God can use you because of unfortunate choices that you've made in your life. And so you get to control this, but like make decisions early on that you're gonna keep the options wide open for God, that he can use you in incredible ways. A lot of us take comfort from this proverb that says, start children off in the way that they should go, which implies that there is a way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, it's important to recognize that this is a proverb which means it's a principle. It's not a promise. And um, that gets misapplied sometimes. People think, well, if you do this, then God's obligated to that. And, and that's not the context for this at all. The, the proverb is, this is a principle. In other words, most of the time, if you start a child off on the way that they should go, then even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And I've seen that come true in so many families. Um, one thing that uh, I want to Used to illustrate this is this little graph that I made, and I hope this makes sense. This comes from a book 30 years ago, Kevin Huggins. Um, But the the, the gist of it is that as parents, um, there's an x-axis and a y-axis involvement and expectations. And as a parent, we have to juggle these two things. And the ideal is that we're highly involved in our child's life and and that we have high expectations for them. That when we cast a vision for their life, we're not only saying this is what God could do with you, then this is what God could do with your life, but we're also saying like, we expect big things from you. And, and many of us, I, I know many of us, we think the number one thing that we wanna give to our kid is this sense of self-esteem or self-confidence. I've heard so many parents say that the one thing that they want is, and and often what we want for our kids is what we felt we were lacking, right? So we're always trying to like overcompensate every generation, the pendulum swings a little bit back one way or the other, but we're trying to, I want my kids to just feel like they're enough. Now, I wanna be careful because I think there's a good way that we can use that sentiment. I think there's a good way where you can say, I want my kid to be enough. Your kids should feel like they're enough enough compared to other kids, right? That they, don't, they shouldn't feel like they're lacking compared to other kids or that they don't somehow measure up or that they're not enough in the context of relationships. I'm sure there's lots of really good ways to use that. But I've also heard us use that in the sense of like, I want my kid to feel like they don't need anything or anybody. Like they're enough. And I think that's kind of weird. I mean, you would look at a baby in a bassinet and you would say, you're enough. And so you wouldn't just walk away as parents and you wouldn't give this child everything that they need to grow and to prosper because you would recognize that this baby's not enough. This baby can't make it through life on their own. And and as they grow physically, the reality is they begin to do more things for themselves physically, but they're still not enough. And, And the reason we want our kids to feel like they're enough is because frankly, a lot of us go through life feeling like we're not enough. And I get that, you want your kid to not have that hole in your heart. But the reason that we have a hole in our heart like that is because we're not enough. This is why we have a really big God that comes into our life and that offers us completion and wholeness in him. And this is what we want to instill in our kids that they would find that in him. And so all this is tied together this idea that I'm gonna have really high expectations for you, I'm gonna expect a lot of you, but I'm also gonna be really involved in your life. And the danger is that if this arrow goes too far one way or the other, then we can end up with a dysfunctional relationship. Um, Ed, who's not here this morning, but Ed's often here on Sundays and helps us tear down on Sunday afternoon after church is over. And Ed and I were talking one Sunday as we were tearing down and Ed's got a bunch of grandkids and he was talking about his grandkids. And he he said this quote, which I've remembered He said, you can choose. You can be a friend to your children and then you get to raise your grandchildren. Or you can raise your children and then you get to be a friend to your grandchildren. I was like, oh, Ed, that will preach. (laughs) That's so good. But this is the thing. We wanna be friends with our kids and so we get really high on the involvement, but we don't carry high expectations. And then we end up with, Friendships with our kids, but they don't turn out to be like contributing members of society. Or we go too far the other direction and we have high expectations of them, but we're not as involved emotionally or relationally. And then they become bitter and resentful and rebellious. And here's the crazy thing oftentimes we marry someone with a little different philosophy on this than we have, right? And I've seen this so often, and I I wanna say this. Mom and dad, you have got to be on the same page even if it's a page neither one of you likes. You need to be on a same page even if it's a page that neither one of you likes. In fact, I'm willing to bet that if you're on the same page, it's probably a page that neither one of you likes. Because one of you would be a little bit more over here and one of you would be a little bit more over here, right? One of you would lean more toward involvement. One of you would lean more toward expectations. The thing is, I have seen so many parents, please don't do this. And if you're doing this, here's the great news. It's never too late to make course corrections and you can make a course correction today. But I've seen so many parents where the more one parent leans in this direction, the other parent feels like they are obligated to move in the other direction to compensate and you end up with two parents who end up with a kid maybe going up the center because they've leaned so hard in either direction, but the problem is there's a gap between mom and dad. And as you know, kids will see that gap and they will run the ball through that gap every single opportunity, right? And so I'm just telling you, there's probably a place that neither one of you are gonna like very much, but it means that you're coming together and you're parenting together. Okay. So the next thing that kids need is the right climate. You're gonna grow a tree, you know, you need the right climate. You're not gonna take a trip to Alaska and see many palm trees. It's not the right climate. So you need to ask yourself, what kind of kid do I wanna raise? What kind of adult do I wanna someday be friends with? And what is the climate that's going to help to create that kind of kid? And I'm telling you, one of the most helpful things we've ever heard is that kids need other voices in their life saying the same things that mom and dad are saying. We had a phenomenal babysitter that was our, our regular twice a week babysitter in our home for years when our kids were growing up. She was wonderful. She loved Jesus. She helped inspire our kids to love Jesus. She partnered with us in the parenting journey. We had our kids here in Wombland and in Upstreet and in Transit and in Inside Out and we had phenomenal small group leaders here in this church that were saying the same things to our kids that we were saying to them. They were the other voices in our kids' lives. And I wanna tell you, the single most important thing that you can do in raising your kids is raise your kids to trust God. That matters more than anything else. It matters more than their academics. It matters more than their athletics. It matters more than career aspirations down the road. You want to raise men and women who can trust God no matter what. And if you want to raise that kind of kid, you need to surround them with those kinds of people. You need to have those kinds of adults involved in their life. And that doesn't have to happen here. There's other places it can happen. Maybe it happens in your extended family, but I'm telling you, this is a pretty great place for this to happen. And I think my kids benefited so much from being here every single Sunday because they developed relationships with their small group leaders and with the other kids in their small group. And together they were talking about the real issues of what does it mean to grow in my faith and apply my faith? And when they hit middle school and high school and the issues are really hard, they had relationships with small group leaders who had already been investing in them for years. Other voices matter. We say around here that friends determine the quality and direction of your life. The Bible says it this way, that if you walk with the wise, then you will become wise. For a companion of fools doesn't become foolish, but suffers harm. And we don't want our kids to suffer harm. We want our kids to prosper. We want our kids to grow to be wise. And so we want to surround them with wise people. And so I want to ask you, a lot of you are spending an enormous amount of money and an enormous amount of time placing your kids into sports and dance and all kinds of extracurricular activities. And I I want to ask, like, this is great, but like, what's the end goal? Are those contexts that you're investing so much time and money in, Are they going to help your child become wise? Are they gonna help your child learn to trust God no matter what? Are the adults in that environment leading your kids to trust God? And and I know I'm on really thin ice when I'm talking about this because this is stuff that matters a lot to us as parents. And I also wanna say, I meant to say this at the beginning of the message, but like, I wanna come into this with a lot of humility. I've done this a little bit longer than a lot of you, just because I'm older, but it doesn't mean I've done it better. And I'm not up here saying that I'm a better dad or a better parent than anyone in this room. And I recognize that this is a very personal thing and that the decisions that we make about how we're gonna raise our kids and how we're gonna discipline our kids and all of that, they're very deeply held feelings. And I'm not here to, to just tread on those feelings. So I recognize there's a lot of good reasons to have your kids in dance. And there's a lot of good reasons to have your kids in sports. But you know, we get out of anything what we're willing to put into it. And if we say that our faith is what matters most in life, if we say that my kid trusting God matters most in life, but our kids are at church once a month or once every two months, it is not going to make the difference that we're hoping it's going to make. So. We want to equip you to be great parents in your home to inspire your kids to follow Jesus. And we want to create environments here that are fun and engaging that your kids want to come back to and relationships that make a difference for your kid's life. So the next thing is fertilizer. You got to fertilize the plant every once in a while, right? My lawn needs some good fertilizer. My bushes need some good fertilizer and a good tree that's going to be strong needs some fertilizer. And... um, I was trying to think, I've played with a lot of different phrases here on what the fertilizer looks like with our kids. And I settled on uncomfortable conversations. Another way that I could say this is that kids need nosy parents. Kids need parents who are in their business a little bit. Okay? And I know this is like a weird concept in a world today where like our kids all have their own rooms and they all get to close their doors and they get we don't wanna respect their privacy and all this kind of thing. But you know what? Your kid needs you to be engaged in their life and know what's going on. Your kid needs you to be a little bit nosy and to poke in a little bit and to find out like what's in those text messages and what's on that phone and what's happening behind closed doors and what's going on in my kid's life. And it stings a little bit, That's why I call it fertilizer. It stings a little bit, but it's absolutely necessary for growth. And as parents, we've gotta be willing to move into uncomfortable conversations with our kids. When when I started the birds and bees conversations with our boys, you know, I would start by saying, this is just the first, this isn't the talk. This is the first of many uncomfortable conversations that you're gonna have with dad. And my hope is that we're still having uncomfortable conversations when you're a grown man. And we're still talking about sex when you're a grown man. And we're talking about the challenges of what it looks like to live as a man after God's own heart in a world that makes it really difficult to do that. But we've gotta be willing to move into uncomfortable conversations. And then uh, we have storms. Um, Storms come along in life. And um, this is the one that we can't control. This is the one that if we could control, we would. I'm one of those dads. I do not want my kids to experience hard times. But the reality is that they need to experience hard times. I just uh, came across this illustration last week, listened to a completely unrelated podcast. And they were talking on the podcast that there was this experiment where they created a a biodome or a biosphere. And um, they were trying to basically recreate the, the Earth's climate, but like improve on it, right? In an artificial context. And at first, everything seemed to be going really, really well. And the trees that they planted in this biodome, they grew faster than normal trees and they seemed to be like really fantastic. But then it turned out that these trees would just fall over for no reason. And as they dissected these trees and they really got into like what went wrong in the formation of these trees, what they found was these trees had grown up in a perfectly safe environment. And it turns out that's really bad for trees that trees need to endure storms. There's a particular kind of wood in the trunk of a tree and it's called stress wood. And I know that we don't like stress and we don't like anxiety and we try to avoid it at all costs. But the reality is that it's a part of life. And the goal isn't to protect our kids from stress and anxiety. Our goal is to prepare our kids for a world that is full of stress and anxiety. It never goes away. It's just a part of adulting but we're gonna, we have to prepare our kids for it and storms are a part of that. And then finally, we need to give our kids big faith in a really big God. This is the absolute most important thing that we can send our kids out the door with. If your kids are 10 and you fast forward 10 years, if your kids are five and you fast forward 15 years, when you're sending your kids out the door, when they're going to live on their own, more than anything, you want them to know that they can trust God no matter what, that they have a really, really big God, that that this could be said of them maybe at the end of their life, when somebody's talking about the life that they have lived and someone's looking back at the full scope, the full extent of their life, they would look back and they would say this, that blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Wouldn't it be amazing if someone spoke of our kids this way? They spoke of our kids as someone who had trust in the Lord, who had confidence in God. And and Jeremiah goes on to say, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought." and never fails to bear fruit. This is the hope that we want for our kids. This is the hope that we want for the adults that they will someday become. So your family dynamic and my family dynamic, it's a product of the words that we use and the schedules that we choose. And so here's the plan, and if you're in a small group, um, there's, see, I have some opportunity to talk through this, but here's the plan just to review real quickly. First of all, tell them you love them, create permanence and love, an environment of all that, cast a vision for their life, prioritize your faith community, be a nosy parent, allow them to develop perseverance and lead them to trust God. Now that's a lot. And I know you have a lot else on your plate but this is the one job that can never be delegated. This is the one job that no one can ever do for you. And if this feels like too much and you're not willing to do all of this today, or maybe you're not actively raising kids right now, then I would ask you to at least do this, to pray, that you would just spend 15 minutes a day, just carve out 15 minutes every morning to pray for your kids, pray for your grandkids, If you don't have kids, pray for a friend's kids or neighbor's kids or other kids that you can be a part of influencing. But pray for them because I believe that in spite of all of my bad choices and all of my stubbornness, that a lot of the ways that God showed up full of grace in my life was because I had a mom who prayed and a grandmother who prayed. (laughs) and A lot of people at church that prayed. So pray for your kids. And then finally, here's some hard questions that we'll land on. All right? Are you willing to submit your will to His will for your children? Are you willing to replace your will for your kids with the will of your Heavenly Father? Are you demonstrating what it looks like to trust God no matter what? Talk about your faith. Talk about the struggles of your faith. Talk about the difficult times that you've come through and times when it's been hard to trust God. Talk about that stuff with your kids. Are you prioritizing their relationships with other believers? What are you doing to make it possible? Some of you guys drive all over town to get your kids to different events. What are you doing to get your kids with other kids who are learning to love Jesus? What are you doing to get your kids with other adults who are gonna say the same things that you're saying? And are you allowing them to develop through hard times? That's a tough one. Look, this, is, uh, this has been great content for me to learn from and also to share with you. And uh, I I just wanna finish by praying for our kids together. I think it's um, the the single best thing we can do is just lift them up to our heavenly father and uh, invite him to be at the very center of what takes place in our homes. But I want you to know that we are here as a church to equip you. We are not here to replace you. We're not here to say, drop off your kids. We'll teach them all about Jesus. I mean, we will, but we're not trying to replace you. We just wanna assist you and we wanna equip you. You're the ones, you are at point. You're the ones that God has established to be the spiritual caregivers in your home and to lead your kids well. And we wanna do everything we can to help you do that. That's why we have the resources that we do. That's why we have the Parent Q app. That's why we have the handouts that we have on Sunday because we wanna give you tools to use in your home to lead your kids well. So let's pray for them. God, thank you for the gift of this next generation. And whether they're down the hall and they're two or whether they are 20, God, whatever stage they're at in between and all the ways that we're struggling to love them well and to lead them well, we ask first of all, that you would give us wisdom. We ask that you would give us courage. We ask that you give us strength and resilience and patience. God, I ask for courage for parents that need to be nosy. I ask for courage for parents that need to initiate some uncomfortable conversations. I pray that you would help us to, to figure out what it looks like to show our kids how we're learning to trust you and to lead them to trust you. God, we ask all of this for this because it matters so much to us. Amen.